I would open and close it until I was like, right, that's a certain amount of times. Now I'm okay. And if I don't do it a certain amount of times, something's going to happen to me, my family, my friends. And I didn't know when I was younger. And you'll know, you'll, you'll both know yourselves, like, about OCD. But I didn't know what it was until I started getting into this field. You're very welcome to the Straight Talking Mental Health podcast where, like the title suggests, we are straight talking mental health. We do this to remove the stigma around mental health and generally just make it a little bit easier to talk about while also having the crack. This week we're straight talking with Mark Donnelly, the founder of How's Your Head Clothing, a clothing brand based in Ireland which raises awareness for mental health and centres around mental health. I'm Cameron Clark, I'm a journalism student and I'm joined by my father, a psychotherapist, Alan Clark. Alan, would you like to tell the listeners what else it is that you do? I get slagged off by you. <laughs> I get abused by you. <laughs> yeah, but aside from that. No, aside from that. Well, 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 not doing that. Uh, I am a psychotherapist in private practice. My degree is in counseling and psychotherapy and my master's is in child and adolescent psychotherapy. And how have you been? All right, man. Straight, straight on from the dentist. So oh, yeah? I want to see, want to see how I last. I've got that dentist taste in my mouth you know that taste you get from the <laughs> it's dentist kind of, taste, kind of tastes like metal nearly yeah yeah, yeah yeah so um yeah i'm hope i'm all right so far i wasn't sure how i'd be but so far so good had a root canal at eight o'clock this morning and how did home. you get on yeah it was grand no was issues there for, there for an hour so that's why i'm i'm, I'm kind of like because you know everyone goes oh my god root canal is just fucking horrendous and mm. first thing she says that's oh, not as bad as everyone says i'm like mm, okay all right, so I'm in there for an hour, and like obviously she puts the numbing gel on, and then she gives the injections, and mm. you know, so I'm kind of like, right, I'll wait to see how I am later on before <laughs> singing her praises. I feel I feel like everyone just makes the dentist sound worse than it is. Mm. It's like That's the dentist, like everyone's worst fear, and like mm. I, I'm not particularly fond of the dentists, but yeah, I'm not afraid of it. I'm, I don't hate it. No, it's no, just kind of like a pain in the arse. Like, oh fuck's sake, I have to go and do that now. But it's not like. I, I don't know why everyone makes such a big deal about it. It's it's very rarely painful. Yeah. yeah. The pain the pain comes from not going to the dentist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting and I'm kind of going, all right, let's see, be mid-interview now or something. Like, Hang on a second, let's see, may go get painkillers. <laughs> yeah. It, no, I was so like, far, so good. I was like that after I got uh, the first dose of my vaccine because I came on and recorded after it. Mm. And everyone kind of talked about how you can either get really badly hit in the first dose or the second dose. So I got the mm. first dose and I was just kind of waiting. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, this is going to kick in now. <laughs> Any minute while we're recording, I'm just going to have to drop. Yeah, yeah. And I ended up being okay. So yeah, it's kind of, it's a horrible thing to just sit there anticipating the pain yeah. to kick in. Yeah. Uh, I, might, I might just take a couple of, uh, be a little bit proactive and take a couple of painkillers before. And might, you know, if you do, do. Just, take, just take a couple of your friend or something like that. Yeah, it might be you worth should, it. It should be all right, so... I go with this, but my my lip is still a little bit numb. Like I'm fucking licking. I was like, am I am I dripping out the side of my mouth, sir? <laughs> Luckily, we're on a podcast. Yeah, that's, that's the fucking that's the shite it. you normally talk out the side <laughs> of your mouth. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually I'm surprised you're kind of in such a talkative mood. Normally, when I come out of the dentist, like if I get something done, like my mouth is just gone. No fucking champion, man! You gotta fucking you gotta get the game face on. The show must go on. Well, no, but like I'm too numbed up to actually speak. Yeah, <laughs> sound like I have a really bad lisp or something. Same as same as the time that um, I was on stage. I, I wrote, directed, and acted in my own play, and I was on stage in the Mo Theatre in Nice, and um, 
just in between scene changes. Um, one of the girls in the play says the uh, the dressing rooms are after being robbed. So our phones <laughs> and yeah, well we were on stage. Someone had gone into the dressing rooms. Okay. Robbed our phones, emptied our wallets, and uh, went upstairs. Was like, oh fucking, oh shit, my fucking phone's gone, money's gone. Da, 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 da. Dressed back on stage. Next scene. <laughs> She Just after getting on. told all your shit yeah, got robbed. Yeah, 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 yeah. And did you get it back? No. No, no, just, no. Oh my god. Gone. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm fucking champion. Root canal. <laughs> fucking take more than that to take me down, bitches. <laughs> just wait now. Give it 20 minutes or so. You'll be on the floor. Oh, no, and pay. <laughs> no I, won't, I won't fucking say. I actually can't. After putting that out now, like. <laughs> you're going to have to edit that out later. Oh, yeah. I got to suck it up. <laughs> You might have done yourself a big disservice. Be, be everything that we stand against. This whole fucking man up and all this kind of shit. Like, oh, I can't. I just. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna have to take that out now. You're, you're giving us a bad name. <laughs> no, the show must go on, man. I've never fucking missed an episode. You're like, oh, I can do the interview. No, I'll be there. Don't worry. <laughs> this, this is the dedication. This is the dedication that I put into this podcast. Well, other than your root canal and potential pain, how have you been? Uh yeah, been alright. Been alright. Um, what have I been up to? Yeah, it's one of those another fucking week where nothing happens. One of the over dinner. Was, yeah, I was up to was up to north. Actually, up to north, and actually had a nice meal. <laughs> what a surprise! I, I know. Yeah, I've been coming on here going. Yeah, I went to this place. Yeah, fu- fuck the north. Fucking, food's horrible. Yeah, fucking no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we're in Viscount in Dungannon, and the, and the food was lovely. So. I was like, I myself and Ashley was like, like, I think this is our restaurant. I was like, yeah, I think so. I fucking love it. It's in this like old church hall or something like that, but they've got like suits of armor and stuff like this. Like it's fucking cool. Like it's a cool spot. You you go in and they bring you upstairs up to the bar, bring you your drinks, your way to the seat when your table is ready, you're brought down. Um, so yeah, so that was that was nice at the weekend. Well, that's a nice change for once. Normally, your attitude yeah, towards yeah, the because Northern the food, food has been quite poor, has been shit. Yeah. But you know, do you know actually? Um, no, nah, no, nah, I won't say it as a royal. Do you know what I get into? I was talking to a client last night. You know, the fucking just a betrayal that you get in a relationship. Like you know, like your partner cheats on you, like, and it's oh yeah. You know, you're like, can I ever fucking trust this person? Like they've mm. just they've just done me fucking dirty in ways you can't even imagine. Ash thing's been going on for about a week or two. She's going, oh, we should watch that Squid Games. I was like, oh yeah, oh, yeah. fucking this new Netflix show, which is highest streamed or something. Yeah, like I've seen it. Yeah, and um, so we started watching it Sunday. I had to had to go home. Um, and she's like, oh, should we watch it? We watch it again later on. Oh yeah, she fucking soldiered on, man. She fucking soldiered <laughs> on and watched it all herself. And she's like, oh, I'll wait for you. You know, I'll wait for you to catch up. I was like, nah, you know what? You fucking took all the good over now. <laughs> you just fucking go and watch it all by yourself. Oh so, Jesus, that is like. You might, she might as well have cheated. Uh, exactly, isn't it? Like, I mean, mm. this is fucking. Well, that, that, that's a big deal. Yeah, that is a big fucking deal. Yeah, the client was having the conversation with me as well. It's like, it fucking is a big deal. Like. Yeah. Yeah, you don't be fucking dirty. Like, it's like, we've been watching True Blood. I've never watched True Blood. She's watched True Blood. She loves it. And it's like, you know, I don't go fucking watching True Blood without you. I wait. You know, that, that's our thing. Like, you know, you invite me into this thing and. Yeah. So and it's probably it's probably an early royal, but. And did, <laughs> did just you watch going. it? Squid Games. I mean. No, I watched fucking 20 minutes of it. So I was oh. waiting to watch it with horror. She fucked you're off. Not, you're not going to catch up. Me. I don't know. Now, there's a part of me I was spite. It's like, now nah, fuck it. It's very good. I would, I would highly suggest watching yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. Yeah. All she says is very good. It's very bizarre. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. um, it, it is very good, though. Like, did you see he, um, 
he'd like been proposing it for 10 years or something before he got it. No. He kept like every year he'd go and promote, like propose it or pitch it to somebody for yeah. 10 years. He's kept turning them down saying it was too bizarre. Okay. And then he kind of got to Netflix and they were like, well, it kind of, they got through and they're like, okay, well, it kind of fits in with like kind of what's yeah, going yeah. on. It's yeah. almost relatable. Can't spoil it. I, might, I might watch it. I might watch yeah. it. No, you yeah. definitely should. But that's what's been going on with me this week. What's been going on with you? Um, kind of like yourself, not much, just. Just the mundanity of life. <laughs> trying to get back into the swing of things. I was uh, kind of struggling when we sat down first, just before mm-hmm. we started recording. I'm trying to get out my news reading voice. I've been doing it a lot in college. Oh, yeah. So my news reading voice is obviously a lot different to how I actually speak. You know, it's very up give and down and animated. Voice. And... Give us, give us, yeah, yeah, give us your news reading voice. Okay, hold on. Get, hold on. Give me something to read. Okay, I'm, I'm going to read, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read out this email I have from college about some arts support central. Hmm. All appointments for Print Support Hub have been cancelled. Appointment details, dates, the 23rd of September. Course, Art and Design Technical Hub. Reason for cancelling, non-given. Over to James with the weather. Yeah, see, it's very different how I normally <laughs> speak. It's very animated. It's like Peter. Peter, Peter. No, I think P, P's just got to the point of he's just in permanent uh, radio presenter, radio presenter voice. My lecture was talking because as soon as I came out of it, because we did it for like 45 minutes, like I was doing it for mm. a 45 minutes mm. straight, just constantly reading. And mm. I came out and I was still kind of talking like that. He's like, yeah, you need to, you know, your voice has got a little bit <laughs> yeah. So I had to get out of it. And we've been doing it like the last two weeks. So my voice was almost permanently stuck like that. So I had to get mm. myself out of it. Because if I'm going to work later as well, I can't be going in <laughs> talking like that. And over to Craig. Craig's going to pour <laughs> us two creamy heads of Guinness. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. <laughs> I could do this shit, man. I could yeah. do this shit. <laughs> no, it, like reading the news is so easy. Yeah. I don't know how it's like people find it difficult it's such a simple thing to do you just like you listen to a couple can of people can you read and talk yeah. you listen to a couple of people <laughs> that inner the voice that you use to read can you make that an outside voice yeah <laughs> like you listen to a couple of people read the news and you very clearly pick up how they speak mm. they just at like the end of a sentence they go up and then they come back <laughs> down again that, that's it that's, that's how you read the news the only difference is how you'd normally speak and you have to pronounce your words a little bit more but yeah you got to give the th yeah, it's very straightforward, which, which is difficult for me. Yeah, as a difficult for most Irish people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I go up to fucking north, and all I do is get slagged off by Ashing and Ashing and her kids. Like thirty three. It's not as bad <laughs> as the dubs. Come the head off you. <laughs> the north dubs really butchered the thirty three. Oh yeah, yeah. Thirty. Yeah. Oh, thirty three. And I'm in a college 20. surrounded by dubs, so. <laughs> Uh, you can fucking Andy's around the corner, man. Watch your mouth. I'll fucking send Andy around to you. She batter you. Yeah, she would. She yeah, would she... fucking batter you. But yeah, so when I sat down, I got a bit worried that that was going to carry over a little bit because mm-hmm. it's kind of the same setting with the mic in front of me, the headset on. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can still fucking do your news voice if you want. That's all right. <laughs> I want to make the podcast a little bit professional because I ain't gonna fucking do it. <laughs> I don't think that's what we're about here, is it? Yeah, I was having. I was. I was thinking about it the other day. I was like, you know, in terms of the podcast and all that, and you know my approach, and I was like. You know, I'm, I'm probably a bit more fucking Larry David than Sigmund Freud. Like, <laughs> I've been watching Curb. I've been rewatching Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm. So that's that's me smiles later on, actually. So you're, you're our news. You're our news talk. I'm our news talk. I got away from that. Yeah. We had Carly on last week. I know you were raging that you that you missed the episode. I was. And then when I listened to it, I was raging even more. Mm. Although I felt like I was fairly accurate in my assumption of how it was going to go. It just seems like a, it's a lot of pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had Carly Pittman on last week talking about endometriosis. 
so informative. Such a, I mean, that's a fucking great episode for me. I was like, fire away, Carly. That was, <laughs> I think it was the, the first thing I kind of came away with was that she was very educational about the whole thing. Like, she's mm. very well informed. Mm. Oh, in Carly fucking thing. sent me an email. She sent me an email with her story. She sent me an email with, with facts and statistics around it. I was mm. like, what a fucking guest. Mm. What a guest. <laughs> yeah, no, like, she is, she was very well informed on the whole thing. Yeah, she's clearly yeah. done her research. It wasn't just where she had what she had and went to get it sorted. She kind of looked into it herself, realized, okay, maybe mm. this is what I have. Mm. And then went to the doctors about it. One of the things I wanted to ask her was kind of how did it feel knowing that she basically got told from her GP, no, really, you definitely don't have that because a surgeon mm-hmm. would have spotted it. And then the, almost straight after was told, oh, no, you, you have this. Yeah, no, but the GP kind of came around then. It's like, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, you can expect that. I was like, well, you've got someone rummaging around in there. Mm. If it was, they probably would have seen it. Mm. Um, they didn't see it. And then when I suppose by the process of elimination, it's like, okay, you must have endometriosis. It's the only thing left you could possibly have. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking horrendous. What a fucking, tell you one thing, man. Fucking glad I'm a man. Oh, stop. You know, it's like, Jesus. I was like, oh, that's some bullshit. Like, yeah, that's, that's that's outside of just your, you know, for any woman and just a regular period every month, like, Mm -hmm. and all the fucking hassle that goes along with that. Like, I think, I think Carly actually mentioned that she basically got everything that could go wrong went wrong i said it to her i was like mr seriously is there like anything working now right <laughs> down there like you know your uterus your cervix your yeah. fallopian tubes everything is gone pregnancy yeah oh i couldn't believe it like when you hear about getting hit you know with the bad stick she gets she had all the bad sticks oh yeah oh yeah jesus and then to still come out of it and kind of you know that not feel sorry for herself and not kind of take pity and just feel like okay well maybe this this is an opportunity for me to inform other people Mm. and help them to understand about what I went through and hopefully come to the conclusion that maybe this is what they're going through as well. Yeah, yeah. It's a very strong willpower thing to do. Mm. And what did uh, what did other people think of the episode? I know we got a lot of responses even before it went up. Yeah, I mean, and well, it helps me smile later on, but Carly was a champion around sharing it. Mm. Andrew, Andrew, who gave us a share last week, and um, uh, when I replied to you, threw it up in a story and said, Listen to the latest episode of Straight Talking Podcast at Straight Talking Podcast on the Instagram. We all need to down tools and give this podcast a listen. Our biggest failing is the fact that we don't educate ourselves properly on anything beyond our own interests. The more we learn, the more we understand. Let's stop mocking and start listening to learn and change habits. Well done, Carly, for taking the leap and talking about your own struggles and experiences. I, I had reacted to that on Andrew's story and went with the mention. And he's like, uh, oh, don't forget to screen grab it this week. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, my bad. <laughs> Last week, Andrew gave us a shout out and I you know, was on the story and that disappeared after 24 hours. I was like, oh, shit, I never fucking never screen grabbed it. I find yeah. it so strange you call it a screen grab. Because everyone else calls That's it a screenshot. Screen oh. Oh. Alright. Fucking pick on the autistic guy. <laughs> I don't even know I don't even know if it's like an old if it's like an old person thing to do. I I never heard anyone call it a screen grab. I know. That's all I've ever heard. Is it an Android thing? Is that what it's called on an Android? Maybe it is, yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah, that's I'm where you I'm got an Android, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I only picked up on it there because I didn't even pick up on it last week. When he said there, I was like, Did you say screen grab? <laughs> That's not right. Yeah. Nobody says screen grab. Yeah. Well, clearly I do. <laughs> that was so. Andrew. Lisa Marie really enjoyed really enjoyed the episode as well. 
She gave, she stuck it up in a story. Well done to Straight Talking Podcast for covering women's health issues in recent episodes. So good to see Endo being discussed. I believe, because, you know, I you believe know she what? put that up before the episode even went live. Yeah, I think just just the, that support. Of, the, yeah. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, one thing, the women really go, you know, women are huge supporters of this of this podcast. And that's a great thing, you know, and to be able to tell those story, to tell the stories for our female listeners and you know like I said I came away from that last week I was like oh this is fucking great I learned something mm. normally you know I'm I'm put here as the kind of quote unquote expert and you know that's kind of the position Pete always put me in of you know getting me to speak on things and stuff like that mm. but when I can come away and go wow I fucking learned something from that like that was you know that's a that's a huge thing one thing I've noticed from the last couple of episodes we've done because we've actually we've had a little stint here of covering Women's issues. I think. What? Yeah. I think that's what the fourth week we've done now. Nah, it's the third. Third. Carly was the third. Yeah. Yeah, where it's been women's issues, which is a good thing to talk about. But yeah, they're not talked about. No. Like almost every response we've gotten to the last few episodes, or even even the the guests themselves, have all mentioned, well, this is something that isn't talked about. Mm. Like Amy's in particular was a miscarriage, which is I would assume is a is a common enough thing, but even she said nobody talks yeah. about. And when she went into that group and yeah. saw people yeah. that she was familiar with she re- kind of realized how common it is but not st- yet nobody speaks on it mm. and then when we have listeners sharing the episode the first thing they say is oh it's great to see somebody talking about this because so it isn't talked about enough that's exactly why we're here that's exactly what we're here shauna had commented on the facebook page i love every single episode you guys put out she does shauna's always always hitting us up she's always showing us some love I love every episode you guys put out however the last have the last few have been amazing thank you for highlighting women's health and then she tagged her friends. I thought you'd enjoy this episode. That's what we love to see. Tagging oh, your friends. That's a good that's one. That's it, man. You know, tag your friends. Yeah, let them know. Carly. And, well, I'll, I'll get into the smile early. Carly has been a fucking champion in, mm. in sharing the episode and, and promoting the podcast. She, do you know what? you know how good she is? She reactivated her Facebook account just to share it. Which is better than me because I have not had yeah. a Facebook account to share it. Yeah, and she got so some... She got some. Um, she got some good comments there. Uh, she could put up a big post around around the episode. Uh, well done, Carly. Super brave. Hopefully, this will go some way to dealing with the awful stigma around mental health and female health. Bravo. Well done, lover. Super proud of you. And I know Carly had put it up on her story that uh, uh, she'd uh, screen grab, screen grab slash screenshot of <laughs> conversation with her brother. Brother saying that he was very proud of her, and you know so. You know, this is it's just getting families talking, it's getting friends talking, and this is this is why we do what we do. The whole point of the show is to get other people to talk about it. It's yeah, all well it's, and good if you come on and talk about it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, and that's why P was like when P stepped out of the podcast and he's like, "Oh, I want you to do it yourself." I was like, "No, I'm only talking about what I already know." Yeah, I learned nothing in that. <laughs> you know, when when you listen, you learn. When you talk, you're only saying what you already know. And it's definitely been the last few weeks are definitely more informative than normally, especially for you, because it's been women's issues and stuff that you yeah, have I an expertise a, in. Yeah, I don't have a fucking womb. I don't have <laughs> don't have floating tubes, don't have a cervix, don't have a vagina. I love all of those things, but I just don't have them and I can't speak of them. <laughs> I'd never even heard of endometriosis before I started I heard looking it. into yeah, it. Yeah, I've had some clients that had had it and I, I again, I was aware of kind of what it was, but the impact of it, you know, it's it's it's. It's, it's shocking like Carly then threw she did throw it up on her store up on her story on Instagram I did a thing I was asked to go on this incredible podcast and talk about some very personal things all in the name of raising awareness 
As you know, I'm a huge advocate of talking openly to remove stigma. So that's just what I did. These guys at Straight Talking Podcast are incredible and I'm hooked on the podcast listening to different stories for people all over the world. To hear about how I finally got to my endometriosis diagnosis and the bumpy ride that came with it, check out Straight Talking Mental Health on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, wherever you listen to your music and podcasts. This this was the thing that struck me. I was like, we've had people with huge, huge social media followings and they're really no good in spreading awareness because mm. they don't share it. You take Carly there with her circle of friends and we know for a fact her friends have gone and listened. <laughs> Mm-hmm. you know so it doesn't matter if you have hundreds of thousands of friends or hundreds of thousands of followers or just a couple of hundreds if you share it you know new people will listen yeah and that's kind of i'd almost say that having kind of 20 close friends is better than having 100 followers mm-hmm. because you know the 20 close friends are going to go and listen to the episode whereas yeah. if you have 100 followers like we have however yeah. many followers we have on, on facebook and all but not everyone's going yeah. to listen yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that, was, that was just one share from Carly. And then Carly went on, she gave another share. Really buying mm. the incredible work these guys are doing with their podcasts. As we all know, social media favors those that get seen. So in order to get Straight Talking Podcasts visible, please view, please with all my followers that see the story, click on the post and share their stories. If you fancy saving the post, that will help to craft the algorithms too. Carly knows where she's at, man. Carly knows where she's at. Also sharing with my incredible endo community and those women out there facing these struggles daily. Carly, thank you so much. Thank you for being a great guest and thank you for showing love to the podcast. She uh, has beforehand, been obviously, huge for us. Yeah, she has. Yeah, And that's all of the social media stuff. And there's my segue. Cameron, over to you. If you would like to get in touch with us and help us spread <laughs> the podcast. flawless, man. That was flawless. Oh, well, then you just interrupted me. No, but he was like, yeah, you see that? <laughs> Fluid, man. Fluid. <laughs> If you'd like to get in touch with us and help us spread awareness on the podcast, if you share the podcast around, we move up the trending list. The more we move up the trending list, the more people listen, the more awareness we can spread. It all loops around in a big circle. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do that. You can find us on Twitter at STMH Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talking Mental Health. You can find our website, STMHPodcast.com. And you can email us, hello, at STMHPodcast.com. I think I got right this week. Boom. Boom. After two weeks, I've got out of my head. That's it, man. You didn't corpse. Well done. Oh, I got, got worried there towards the end. I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh, did you? you got in your head. You yeah. got in your own head. I've been in my head for the last two weeks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck it. I need, I need to get this out. Once I get it right yeah. once again, I'll be fine moving forward. <laughs> Fair play. Oh. Fair play. Not yeah, so that. that's all the, so- that's the social media stuff. And that's last week's episode. I tell you what I got. I had I had some. Uh, let me let me find it here. I spoke to Amory. Um, oh yeah, Amory that we had on a couple of weeks ago as a, as a birth mother telling uh, telling her story. And Marie started um, our women's health movement. Yeah, that was that was. I the wanted first to get one. a fourth one. I wanted to get a fourth one. Kind of like, but well, we had we had this one lined up. Mm. Um, so if I get one in the meantime, I mean, we push it out by <laughs> <laughs> just to finish off a month, a month of a month of our women. I do have, I do have another pretty good one lined up as well. If if we're going to do a women's month, we should probably actually do when women's health month is. When is it? Do women, which do, is, do have a month? Women have a month. It's, hold on now. It's women's history month. It is March. March. Oh, March. No. We'll be on that for next March. No, it's it's one. Women's History Month, but we can just we can flip that history around. Women's, health women's month. mental yeah. health yeah. month. Yeah, well, it's probably all the one, you know. Yeah, the history oh, we're of women's health. More, more there, there, is, there is none. Um, <laughs> um, well, there is now. It's March. Yeah, 
Amory had some. She had some very positive. Amory is. I think Amory has an out soft spot for you. I don't blame her. You're, <laughs> she says you're a dote. Um, but she was saying how how well you've how well you've come along on the podcast. Um, so I was like, yeah, you have. You've really relaxed into it. I think you've found your groove on it now. Fair play, man. You know, you, you fucking you come in, a lot of pressure on you. Pick up the mantle where P had left off, a professional as a radio presenter and producer and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I think you, I think you've done a great job. Thank you. Well, every other podcast Amarita I did before well. this was very journalistic, so there was mm. no winging it. I knew exactly what I was getting into. I knew mm. everything I was going to say, and it had been researched for a lot of time. And then the other podcasts I've been on have been people asking me questions, which is very different. All I have to do is answer them. It's very straightforward. Mm. So coming onto this was uh, very different for me because there's a lot of just kind of talking. There's like we don't yeah, we don't yeah. have a script for anything. We have we have a couple of questions we have lined up for a guest, but generally we'd ask a question and just go off whatever they say. We don't we don't just stick relatively to the questions we have thought of. Mm. So it's very different. Whereas I would have been before on my own podcast, I'd have say ten questions. Mm. so if if a question didn't work or if they, i didn't get an answer i was looking for i could move on to the next one yeah yeah so it's a very different dynamic going from a I, I, journalistic I've, I've podcast to this. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> as is fucking obvious mm. <laughs> well i i wouldn't i wouldn't have a script or anything but i have a couple of questions always labeled down for each guest yeah. just just in yeah, case you know right, we right. get that moment yeah, of kind yeah. of silence p had p had said basically the same thing listen to the new one really strikes me how much cami has come on and leaps and bounds fair play to him that's from the man that's from p the professional tell him to get me my internship <laughs> he's on it man he's on he's working on it he's working on it as people hear me talk about P I'll talk about Peter Dunn Peter Dunn on LMFM Peter Dunn who has won another award did he win he I, I didn't, didn't the, see the, the update Emeralds, on it. Yeah. so P now has two PPIs and an Emerald what was it, it was, what was it for it was for short it was for the, the it was for his piece on Midlands on the, the one where he the yeah well, samples he looked, he, yeah he samples the old tapes isn't it I can't remember what the award was for P wins again I'm telling you, man. And I text him. I said, "There you go, man. Once you're not, once you've nothing got to do with the podcast, you win stuff." <laughs> well, he's he's able to spend uh, more time doing it, but Peter's yeah. very good at what he does. Of course, he is. I would, uh, I would get everyone to check in with him. He's on Midlands Saturday morning show, and LMFM. I think he starts at nine o'clock. That's on a Saturday, and he's on LMFM yeah. as a producer and stuff. Then yeah, he gets around. <laughs> he gets around. Have you got any smiles or royals for me, young man? I've got a rile. I have a smile too, but I want to get my rile out of the way first because I actually only saw it this morning. I did have another rile lined up, but I want to do this one instead. So I scrolled through Twitter and there was um, there's a girl who's very big on TikTok. She now mm. she's not she's not as big on Twitter. She's actually very small on it, but she posted a tweet talking about kind of how good she feels after going on a diet. She said she's trying to lose weight and she feels really mm. good. Mm. And somebody replied to him just kind of like, could you go a little bit more in depth about your diet? And your, mm. the girl replied, and she, you know, she was talking about kind of going off fast food and mm. eat cooking a lot more. And a, another person replied to it and said, "I really wish you wouldn't use the word diet. It, it can be very triggering for some people." And I was kind of sitting there like, "How the fuck is the word diet triggering?" Because we always talk about it on the show that we we we're not responsible for other people's triggers. When a show no, is very is when, a show, when an episode is very deep or very intense, we yeah. will give a trigger warning. Yeah, but that's only happened. Probably no mm. more than a handful of times, mm. but the girl who who posted the tweet, she made a TikTok about it. Then kind of replying to that tweet, and she said, "Diet is the word the doctor uses 
when they want you to change what you're eating. It's not it's mm. not a trigger word. I'm not trying to say, oh, someone has a bad diet or fat. I'm just saying yeah, that's the word yeah. that I use to say when I've changed what I eat. It's called a diet. Mm. That's the actual mm. word for it. Mm. I can't control other people's triggers. And then she was talking about how followers need to stop trying to censor content creators based on what they call their own triggers. Because yeah. a content creator isn't going to know what everyone, especially if someone has five or six million followers, yeah. they're not going to know the triggers of every single one of their followers. Like the word fucking diet. It's not yeah. a trigger. I'm sorry. Like, I know people have their triggers, but mm. that's the word a doctor would use when they tell you yeah, to change what you eat. The thing about that is you need to be responsible for your own triggers. Mm. So you're not triggered. You need yeah. to have the awareness around it. And, you know, P said this to me a long time ago. You know, oh, should we give should we give trigger warnings and stuff like that? It's like, we can't. Mm. We, we can't be. If you are, you'd be fucking, you wouldn't get to say anything. Like I wrote, my, the second piece I ever wrote was about sex abuse. Mm. And I asked my lecturer, I said, should I put a trigger warning on this? He said, no. He said, you're not responsible for other people's triggers. What yeah. you can do is put the, the contact for the helplines at the bottom. So I yeah. did that. And that that is kind of the way you should do it. Mm. Because we, we don't know what anyone who listens to this podcast, well, someone who's never listened to it before and just happens to jump in an episode and they're like, oh, I'm triggered by this. Don't listen to this. Cancel this show. Like mm, we we mm. can't be responsible for that. No. And other celebrities shouldn't be responsible for it either. Yeah, it's like you just can't be because so many people have their own personal triggers mm-hmm. and, you know, on big episodes, you know, like Anne-Marie and the adoption and stuff like that and, you know, Unwed Mother, things like that, mm-hmm. other episodes we've given, which we know are obviously big topics and go, look, and we, and we give that with the caveat of, you know, if you are triggered, take a break, but come back. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you will learn something from this. Don't, you know, don't let it put you off altogether. So, you know, if you're triggered by the word diet, you need to do something, you know, go to therapy, go to counseling, you know, work through the issue that is because for something to be a trigger, it needs to be connected to something. Mm. And the you word, know, it's the word connected diet to something obviously in the past. is something that's used every single day. If you go to a doctor and they talk about mm. what you're eating, they're going to what say, okay, diet? yeah, uh, what's your diet? diet? Yeah. And it has nothing to do with your weight. It's nothing to do with your appearance or how fit you are. It is the word they use to ask about what it is that you eat. Mm. So the kind of food that a person, animal, or community habitually eats. Yeah, a special course of food to which a person restricts themselves either to lose weight or for medical reasons has nothing to do with anybody's appearance. It is just yeah, what you so eat. That, that individual needs to be responsible for. It. Yeah, and it's like we don't choose our mental health, but we are responsible for it. Yeah, and you, and you need to be responsible for it. You can't be telling people you can't say that because it triggers me. Mm. No, you need you need to look after your own trigger. And saying you're going to unfollow someone or try to hold them responsible for saying a word that is your personal trigger and not theirs yeah. isn't their responsibility and it's just not the right way to handle it. I'd agree. Well, I'd that, agree. that's me Ryle out of the way. That's your Ryle. Have you got a smile? I have, I have a, a small a small smile. An SS. SS. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. That can, that can be particularly triggering for some people. <laughs> Let's not talk Apologies about that. Apologies to our Jewish community. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm just, I've started writing again, you know, the journalistic research and stuff. Yeah. And it feels good because like, during the summer I did a couple of pieces, but they weren't for any particular reason. They were just kind of to, to keep doing it so I don't forget it. So mm. it's nice to be able to do the journalistic stuff again with an actual goal in mind, mm. like an assignment or, you know, it's college work. Because mm. it was very tiring to have to do it throughout the summer. For, for no reason, pretty much, other than, you know, just my own experience. Yeah. And uh, do you have that stuff online? Is there anywhere people can read your, your articles? or your Yeah, like so all my articles can be found on CameronClark.wordpress.com. All the links to my podcast. K-A-M-R-O-N. 
for those yeah that don't know me i suppose that's a very it's a very tough one everyone gets that wrong yeah k-a-m-r-o-n yeah and then clark.wordpress.com all the links to my podcast are there as well as well as the link to this show if you know you feel like oh you want to read one of my pieces and then get back into the show because that's what everyone should do <laughs> yeah, good stuff man good stuff and what about yourself smiles and is that it you only got a small rile or have yeah. you got smiles no no, no that's, that's, it. That, that's it this week alright um had facebook down during the week this this is me royal oh yes facebook whatsapp instagram messenger uh, yeah and again kind of social media kind of thing a lot of people go oh, i wouldn't care if i never fucking came back and all that kind of stuff like you know i've always said you social media take social media for what it is like but you know as someone that's in a long distance relationship whatsapp is a very convenient tool to to stay in touch with your loved one you know how else are you going to share memes <laughs> I actually, so I don't, I don't know if you noticed, but Facebook lost like, I think it was 40 billion euro in the six yeah. hours it was down, which is a crazy. Did it though. I mean, did it though. That's, like, that, that's apparently just in their share, their share price dropped. Yeah, that's 5%. people's shares. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that's the accumulative total is 40 billion yeah, euro. Yeah. Yeah. But like in the space of six hours, and that's because everybody that, everyone that uses Facebook and Instagram, when it went down, went straight to Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. To, <laughs> first of all, to see was anyone else's Facebook down. Which is yeah. what happens when an app goes down. Twitter almost never goes down. Yeah. So yeah. when it goes down, everyone takes to Twitter and immediately tweets, is yeah. this down? Yeah. So Twitter tweeted out, hello, literally everybody. Yeah. yeah. Was their tweet and it had all the brands <laughs> responding to it. And then, you know, McDonald's what, and all of them. WhatsApp right? and Facebook and all were applying to it from their, their mm. Twitter handles. And underneath it was just people bullying them. So WhatsApp replied and it was like, hi there. They gave a little wave emoji. And mm. somebody replied, I'd say it was within a couple of seconds of it going up. Fix your app. And it got hundreds of thousands of likes. Jesus Christ. But it it was such a huge thing for people, for the likes of mm. especially Instagram to go down because Instagram is one of the more used apps when it comes to just longevity, like people just staying on it for long periods mm. of time. So they'll just scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. And you swear people have died. Yeah. But there was two two sort of things in it. One was how reliant we are on Facebook mm. and how much of a monopoly they have on, on big social mm-hmm. media between Facebook, Instagram, and then messenger services like Messenger and WhatsApp. You know, they're all owned by Facebook. Um, and then, you know, you log into somewhere, you know, you don't want to create a new login and password, log in with Facebook. A lot of people couldn't get into their, you know, other third-party apps and websites and stuff like that because mm. they would log in through Facebook. So there's that part of it of going, Jesus, how much of a monopoly that Facebook has. And then, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's no fun good. It's like, you know it's this is the way we connect in the world now mm. but there's you also know, people that run their business exclusively through facebook mm, so for the mm. six hours facebook was down their business was essentially down yeah yeah i i, I saw a tweet about it and i don't know i don't know how true this is there wasn't really a follow-up but it was from a verified account so i'm assuming there's some level of truth to it mm. but apparently the outage in facebook was so bad that staff couldn't get in to see what was wrong because their key cards that. weren't working on the doors. Oh, you must have, you must have read the same tweet I did. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. that that's what happened there. Yeah. So that's apparently. Yeah, that's that's me, Royal. It's like Jesus, how are we fucking supposed to communicate now? Like, cause obviously it's free. You know, you don't pay for text. Mm-hmm. You're not paying for phone calls. It's all done through your Wi-Fi and stuff like that. But my other little Royal is remember that I was saying that my card was hacked and nine ninety nine by twenty was taken off, um, taken off my account. Fucking mm-hmm. payments still there. Permanent DSB, get the fucking finger out. Our fraud team are up to their ghoulies kind of thing. Jesus. Yeah, well, it's not that hard to fucking figure out. Like, just take off all those payments I just got hacked for. 
Um, yeah, so I, I touched on my other, I touched on my other smiles was Carly giving us being such a great guest and how supportive she has been of her episode. And we um, shout out to P for picking up a silver in the in the Emerald. So I think that's me, that's me smiles and and that's me royals. Now we'll hand over to Mark. Shout out to Peter Dunn. Shout out to Peter Dunn. And we are live with Mark Donnelly. Mark founded the How's Your Head clothing brand in Ireland based on mental health and raising health, raising awareness on mental health. Mark, do you want to tell us what it is you do? Maybe tell a little bit about the clothing brand itself? Yeah, absolutely. Well, firstly, thanks very much for having me on. I love doing this sort of thing. So it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, so HUH itself, for anyone who doesn't know, is a mental health awareness brand. We're Irish and we donate 10% of our sales to mental health charities every single week, month, year. Um, when it was doing that and in doing so, we shared them all on our website and throughout our social media just for full transparency. So we're quite honest and transparent in everything we do. Um, and we like to show the customer where their hard-earned money and support goes. Uh, HUH was set up um, about a year and a half ago now while I was in the States, but it was an idea in my head for a few years that I had. I always wanted to do do some good, but also be my own boss. So it was kind of like two birds at the one stone. Mm. And once a pandemic hit, I knew kind of a, a mental health pandemic, which was already happening, but was going to be exemplified even more. And um, mm. now that we're all at home, surrounded by the four walls, so I was like, right, it's not a better time to do this. So I got the ball rolling. And when That's exactly the- did you start the the brand, Mark? Yeah, of course. So the idea was in my head for a few years. Um, and... I'd say in March of 2020, because I was abroad, I worked for a whiskey company in the States. I loved every second of it. But once the pandemic hit... That's the fair Irish, Mark. Uh, was, <laughs> 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 uh, I'd go back tomorrow if I could. Um, but it was class. But once the pandemic hit, all the bars and restaurants shut. Mm. And they looked after us so well because we're so far from home, but we didn't really have much to do. So they kind of left us to our own devices. So it, it kind of started in March of 2020 and then really kickstarted in July, August, September of 2020 when I moved home. So just as COVID hit, just as lockdown hit, yeah. that was it. That was, yeah. that was the catalyst. That was it. And I just put hours and hours into it because like you'll know, there was nothing else to do. There was no outlets. There was really nothing going on. So I just put the hours in and yeah. And what was kind of your justification for starting a mental health clothing brand? It's, so it's actually a very niche market. Like, yes. I've never seen something like your your brand before. So why why did you kind of go mental health route? Yeah, absolutely. So people say, and you're you're right in the sense that it is niche, but at the same time, it's not because you see brands out there for gym wear, but not everyone mm-hmm. goes to the gym. You see brands out there for hiking, mountain climb, but not everyone will go climb a mountain. Not everyone wears a hoodie or the type of clothing I sell, but everyone deals with their mental health. So. The reason, there's a few reasons, and I, I love this question, um, why I started a mental health awareness brand is because, number one, everyone deals with their mental health, regardless of your religion, your language, how much money you earn, or where you are in the world. Everyone deals with it, whether they like it or not, and whether they understand it or not, it's going on. So from my personal experiences, number one, throughout the GAA growing up over the years, you're in a dressing room, 30 to 40 lads. It's not really an environment where you're going to stand up and say, not feeling great, lads. And you notice people not showing up, people not performing, people just not themselves, but no one really talks about it. So that was one of the reasons. Um, and then the other reason was from like the age of 17, I worked in bars throughout Ireland. 
And then, like I mentioned, I worked in bars throughout the States um, for the whiskey company. And that's an area where you're working long hours, late nights. And in Ireland, not so much, but in America, it's very party. Like it's party central. When you're behind the bar, you can drink, you can party. And a lot of bartenders over there are doing a lot of other stuff under the sun. You know, if you know what I mean, like they're taking stuff. Mm. And it's just you're there to entertain and work and serve the customer. You're partying hard. But there's no kind of rest. There's no downtime. You're there to entertain. The customer doesn't want to hear your, your troubles, your worries. They want to be there to have fun with you. Um, so it had this big knock-on effect. And I noticed myself and I noticed friends and co-workers really suffering. But they still have to go in the next day and do 20 shots of whiskey with the customer. And that's definitely not good for their mental health. Did any of this stem from your own experience with mental health? Your personal yeah. experience? Yeah, absolutely. So... Like I said, throughout the GAA, throughout the work life, but when I was growing up and I never really knew it until I really started delving deep, deeper into the mental health area that I've been doing now for the last 18 months, I had lots of like, um, I, the phrase, and I need to get correct here, but I had lots of kind of OCD um, compulsion. So I never knew it was really, I never knew what OCD was. I never knew it was OCD until I started saying like, why am I doing this stuff? Mm-hmm. So there's certain ones like, constant reassurance checking sanitization and when i was growing up i would do these certain things around the house and people would just think i often hear people say oh i, I leave the volume on the tv on an even number yeah and that, i have ocd yeah and that can be really yeah. insulting to someone who has OCD really is, yeah. because yes i do that but i also do a lot of other things so there was times where i'd be in my house and i don't know if the listeners will think this is so like they don't understand it but i would stand at like a light switch and I would turn it on and off, on and off. And this may not make sense to you, but I wouldn't stop until it sounded right. Yeah. Right. And then there'd be other ones where I would like, for example, I'd pick two, I'd pick something up, two things up, whether it's anything. Let's say I was choosing between two things and I put one down. I'm like, no, the other one, that one feels better for me even though they're both the exact same thing. So it could be like two, two forks, two knives, two glasses. And in my head, it's so strange. It's hard to explain. It's like, no, that one feels better. If I don't use that one, something bad's going to happen to me. Or if I don't, not to keep going on, but like another one would be like my front gate at home. When I was younger, I used to open and close that. If any of the neighbors saw me, they'd be like, what is, what is Mark doing out there? But mm. I would open and close it until I was like, right, that's a certain amount of times. Now I'm okay. And if I don't do it a certain amount of times, something's going to happen to me, my family, my friends. And I didn't know when I was younger. And you'll know, you'll, you'll both know yourselves, like the OCD. But I didn't know what it was until I started getting into this field. Yeah, and I think, yeah, yeah I think you're right. And you're absolutely right there, Mark. We've touched on this on the podcast before of, you know, just because you like your house clean doesn't mean you have OCD. Really like the volume on an even number. Yeah, doesn't mean you have OCD. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've seen clients, I remember actually pre-COVID, and I wonder how this how this kid is doing now. I remember, you know, you mentioned sanitizing and stuff like that. I had a young client, only a teen, young teenager. Would have brought him in like that, obsessive, uh, compulsive hand washing to the point where I shook it. This was, again, pre-COVID, so I shook his hand when he came in. And his hands felt like a 60-year-old man that had worked on the buildings his entire life. Right. They were raw, raw from obsessive washing of his hands. I had another client who, you know, like that, that X amount of times, because it has to be perfect. It needed to be, you know, she had all these ritualistic behaviors that she had to do before she left the house. 
you know, because for fear of something happening. Absolutely. Pass would pass by someone on the on the road, would have to circle back three times to make sure that person hadn't crashed or hadn't she hadn't knocked them off. I mean, that's obsessive compulsive disorder. Absolutely. You know, volume on even, house clean. That's not OCD. That is not a compulsion. That's you like your place clean. Yeah. You like it. But how do you function if it's on an odd number? That's a little bit of nine. First grand. That's it. And like I often see people like even on like TikTok or whatever it be, and they'll be like, Oh, I can't have the volume on the car on an odd number. And then I think, mm. well, I'd be sitting in a room and I don't do a lot of these things anymore, thankfully. Um, but I'd be sitting in a room and for example, if there was anything on the floor, like I mean anything, it could be a tiniest speck of dirt. I would sit there and I could not continue what I was looking at, watching, focusing until I picked it up because I'd be like, if you don't pick that up, something weird is going to happen. Like, and you have obviously all these obsessive thoughts too, that like something bad or something strange. Or I had one where if I didn't eat the same breakfast every day, I'd have a really unproductive day. So <laughs> there was two years where I would literally either eat turkey bacon, scrambled egg with toast or porridge and a coffee. And if I didn't have one of those two breakfasts, I would have a really bad day at work or like I'd perform really bad in my match that evening. And then I'd always think back, well, that's because you didn't have that breakfast. So I became obsessive over certain things. Um, I still do. And, that, and again, that's the difference between the, uh, the OCD because I would be like that. I'm autistic. Like, so I would have, you know, I have the same breakfast every morning. Like, yeah. you know, when I come in from work at night, I'll have to, I'll eat the same thing. But I'm not thinking if I don't have that breakfast, I'm going to have a bad day or something bad is going to happen. You know, I don't go to bed going, oh, I didn't have my cereal or I didn't have eight crackers with two triangles of cheese, spreadable cheese. Yeah. Therefore, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. You know, that's a huge difference. So it's it's such a, like I've been through that now. And as I said, I still do some of them. Like when I leave the office here, there's times where I've been in my car and I've known, I've checked the upstairs closed steamer four times and I'll get out of my car, open all the shutters, turn off the alarm, go upstairs, just to see, I've done it, I've checked again, but mm. I know. So nowadays I still have one or two certain compulsions like that. Um, and I've learned to deal with all the other ones. A lot of them I don't do anymore. But getting back to what I mentioned, when I started to dive into this, I turned to my friend one day and I said it to him. Like, I feel like I say as well a lot, it's like, it doesn't really matter who you talk to, as long as you can get it off your chest, be it a family member, a friend, a cousin, whoever you're comfortable talking to, talk to. So I just said it to my friend one day, um, and he could not believe it, because I never knew, and he never mentioned it, but he has a he has OCD, and he does a sanitization. So everything he touches, not to the degree like the young guy you spoke about uh, earlier on, but... He brings hand sanitizer everywhere and even pre-pandemic. And I always noticed mm. that, but it never clicked at me. Um, and then we literally spoke for about three hours about our different kind of OCD traits and what we do and why we do it. And the thoughts of, well, if you don't do that, what's going to happen? And then there's obviously, he had one, like a religious one, where if he didn't pray, and he's not religious, but if he didn't pray, like I said, he thinks that something bad, really bad will happen to him or someone he knows or someone he loves. So it's just... It really opened my mind and is like, it's a really, I find it a very interesting kind of area too, to kind of watch videos and study even more. And it's something I should be doing more of, to be honest, because I'm not as knowledgeable as I'd like to be. Yeah. And, you know, and it is that, that anxiety of, I suppose it gives the sense of control. 
you know, because well, as everyone that has experienced anxiety knows, you don't like feeling out of control. And for, you know, people with eating disorders, that's when the eating disorder kicks in. When things feel out of control, well, you can control your food or you can control that expectation of something bad happening by switching the light switch on and off X amount of times or locking the door three times or something like that. Uh, yeah, and just speaking on control. So earlier this year, I went to see uh, a therapist for a few months because I had moved back from the States and I loved my time over there. But like I said, I was obsessive. I did things a certain way. I had my freedom, my independence. I loved it. Set up H2H. And unfortunately, I had to move home because my visa ended. So I was back at home, in with the parents, no independence, no job. H2H was only starting off. And I had literally no control because I had no control over how the pandemic is playing out. I had no control how the Irish government were going to set restrictions and boundaries. I had no control over anything apart from really how I acted and how I responded. But it all got a bit too much for me. And I was like so obsessed at work. And that was her work and exercise is what got me through. So obsessed. So after about nine or 10 months of like 16 hour days and all I was doing was I was eating the same thing. I was working the same hours every day. I was exercising and like running and doing the same route every single day. It kind of just got a bit too much because... I was controlling as much as I can control, but all the Mm. external factors that I couldn't were just like, this is way too much. So I went to speak um, to an amazing therapist and it just took such a weight off my shoulders. And to be honest, that's when the OCD started creeping back in. When I was feeling totally out of control, anxious, all these compulsions started coming back. and once I noticed them, like some from years ago, I knew straight away, right, need to knit this on the board. Let's let's get this sorted. Let's talk to someone. Um, but totally, like I, people out there as well, like people dealing with social anxiety too. A lot of people deal with that. I often used to think if I bumped into someone in the street, this is one of my thought processes a few years ago, and someone would ask me how I was. While I'm walking away, I'm like, oh my God, did I talk way too much about myself? I wonder what they're saying to their friends and family. I just bumped into Mark of the village and he didn't shut up about like the match over the weekend. And I'm just like, oh my days. Like, should I go back? You know what I mean? And mm. it's just a whirlwind. And like I said, I didn't really understand any of this until I started H2H. When, when, did, the, when did the OCD first enter your life, Mark? When did you first start to notice these behaviours starting for yourself? I would have been 12 or 13. Yeah. Any particular catalyst for it, do you think? Or do you remember anything that might have set it off? Or Yeah, I do, actually, to be honest. So my dad worked in the bank for like 30 years. And I remember, well, when I was younger, I used to be terrified of, remember the tiger kidnappings? Yeah. So I'd constantly just check. You'd see me locking. For listeners around the world, we'll, we'll just touch on that, Mark. Because tiger kidnappings were at the height of the boom. So when all of the money was coming into Ireland... Uh, like that, you know, post office managers, bank managers, stuff like that. What would happen in the tiger kidnappings would be the family would be taken. The bank manager, post office manager would be made to go take out X amount of money. The family were held. If it was paid, the family were released, etc. like that. So, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's so. a tiger kidnapping as we knew it. Yeah. Um, so when I was younger, I was terrified of this. I was like, mm. I was 12, 13, 14. I was like, oh my God, what if this happens to me? So I think that's where it's kind of started and crept in. I was quite anxious. And then it was where that constant checking and like making sure the gates were locked. I became like obsessed with like security at such a young age. And I still am to this day, I'm very conscious of like doors being locked, alarms being set. 
and stuff like that. But I noticed like I find myself 13, 14, constantly like looking out the front window a few times. Um, well, a certain amount of times until I went to, before I went to bed, because if I didn't do it 10, 10 or so times, even though I'm looking straight out at the same driveway, the same street, there's no one there, Mark. I had to do a certain amount of times before I could go to bed. Um, so it would have been about that age, early teens, I'd say. Um, and then as I kind of got older, as I said, I didn't really know what it was. Um, it kind of it kind it went away. I just won. I got really sick of it after a few years, and I was like, I'm just stopping this. And I don't, I can't really remember how or when it was or why, mm. but it kind of just stopped. And then, as I said a year or so or earlier this year kind of crept back in and then I knew immediately, right, let's catch this early on and let's try our best to stop this because you have really uh, like obsessive thoughts and like thoughts were creeping in that weren't true, you know, and that that side of OCD I had never seen. And I was like, well, why am I thinking that way? That's just not true. And then my head is like, but what if they think it's true or what if they think this or what if someone thinks that about H-U-H or you or anything? Um, so yeah Mark you touched earlier on kind of growing up playing sports and being in locker rooms with 30 or 40 other lads and it's not as you mentioned it's not the the most mental health safe space your brand does sell GAA jerseys kind of with your own spin in them is that is that why you started the GAA jerseys because you grew up in that kind of area where it's not generally somewhere it's talked about yeah absolutely so the GAA is a big part of my life for training four or five nights a week for football and hurling I've seen lads who don't want to talk, who don't feel like they can talk because of the stigma that surrounds it. Um, so that was one reason. And also the GAA is such a big cornerstone of every community. Like there's a guy club in every single community. And I'm sure every family has someone who either plays or has played. Um, so that was the main reason to try spread awareness in as many communities as possible to as many people as possible. So the GAA has been one avenue. Um, and also we got we just got a lot of demand and questions about the kind of mental health gear within GGA. So I just went with a generic jersey and hopefully we can keep expanding the colours and the offerings. Because right now we just have green and white. Um and that's my club. Hopefully we can. As a, as a small business, to be honest now, it is quite hard to do too many offerings. It's just too expensive. And then you you might be stuck with 50 jerseys that you can't sell. And then it just comes out of your own pocket and you're like, all right, fuck like you know so you take a hit on that one yeah um but yeah the ga i just knew there was a lot of people involved within ireland it's a very cultural thing too and i know some mental health the stigma in ireland i feel comes from like our culture so be it mm. the church the local pub or the gar club there are three areas where people are like no 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 we don't talk about when you're feeling that way come on grow up you know the type of type of way mm. and that's just something that grinds my gears and um, how people say, well, there's always someone worse off than you. Okay, that's fine. But that's not helping my current situation. I always say, if I can't be upset because there's someone worse off than me, does that mean I can't be happy because there's someone happier than me? So it's kind of the GA was one area that I knew that would we could get a lot of awareness, a lot of people involved. And then again, we also did, we did a video earlier in the year with the fire station in Ashburn. And we wanted to get into the emergency services too. So it's kind of just spreading as much awareness throughout as many communities and families as possible, to be honest. Yeah. I know the GAA to have a to have a mental health charter. My kind of approach to this, you know, the all these slogans and all of these, you know, to be seen to be supportive of, of mental health. 
you know, is is great for companies. I know to have a charter, respect, you know, all this kind of stuff, encouraging, being supportive, being positive, being considerate, and all of that. Is the reality of it like that, though, Mark? I mean, is there talks, you know, from your from your experience, you know, is there talks in clubs? Is anything done around this apart from you know throwing out something like it's okay not to be okay? It's good to talk, catchy slogans. But, you know, in reality, what's what's the reality of, like I said, 30 lads in a dressing room? Does anything happen? To be honest, n- no, no is the answer. And I think we all know that. But like, yeah. it, it annoys me when you see someone posting a picture or hanging up a sign. And don't get me wrong. I think it's good when you see signs with like in, in good information, where it be it like help, not helplines, resources. That's always useful because someone might see it and it might resonate. But in terms of like, actual direct help from like clubs i don't think enough is done and one thing and you can disagree with me if you want now one thing i don't like is these mental health awareness months and weeks right because i think they're great but every last mm. person jumps on the bandwagon then oh, so yeah, yeah. people turn to me and go why aren't you doing anything for mental health awareness week and i said i can do it every other day because i do it 365 <laughs> days a year <laughs> there was this is my royal i had this mm. going back to world mental health day whenever whenever that is last year and on the, on the show we have smiles and royal things that makes us smile things that make us royal and that was my royal right it's like it's, oh, it's great every company jumps on it like every mm. company world mental health day you know it's good to talk da, 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 da. yeah but what the fuck do you do with your employees then absolutely you're feeling depressed well you need to come into work absolutely so no oh no but it was all right to fucking jump on a bandwagon it was all right to jump on a trend and hashtag it's it's the it's same like as the every whole... other trend that goes around. So the likes of Nike and that who use people of color in their advertisements now because it makes them seem like they're allies to these people. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same as what they do with mental health. They see, okay, it's mental health awareness day or week or month. Mm-hmm. Let's start sharing this around because people are going to think, oh, look at them. They're being so supportive. Yeah. And then they're going to give them more money. But then as soon as that day or week or month is over, it's back to the same old, same old. Without a doubt. And it's, it's a shame, really. So... Like that, I say, well, I don't make a big deal out of these weeks or months because we're doing it every day. We're donating every week, every month. And this is not just a flash in the pan. This is something I'm passionate about. And this is something we all need to talk about because everyone deals with it. Um, and you see, like, even with, like, Pride and celebrating Pride in the month of June, you can see company changing their logos to oh, their yeah, flags. Oh, fucking rainbow one. Trying to make a quick book out of yeah. jumping on the bandwagon. And, like... For us here, we had a H2H Pride hoodie, but we sold it from April till it sold out, which was like August. And um, like I said about getting stock, it's so hard to like manage, so we didn't actually replenish it. Mm-hmm. But we make donations to um, LGBTQ+. Sorry, I always get that whole thing wrong. I, I yeah, yeah. There's, there's, um, there's talk of throwing on a few more letters, yeah. Mark, so don't, don't feel too bad. <laughs> so we've donated to... A few of them, and like one of the main ones actually I have here, because they actually sent me a lovely little thank you note. It's called Belong To, so supporting lesbian, gay, bisexual, and trans young people in Ireland. Mm. I donated them a few times. They wrote me a lovely thank you note. Um, but it, it's just frustrating to see people like we're meant talking about just jumping on the bandwagon for a few weeks. Like, Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the same. You know, we were, we were exactly the same on the podcast. It's like, well, we're fucking doing it every other day of the week, you know. Give a retweet, give a share to something if you support. No, you don't. You, yeah. you just have a hashtag for a day, and then you go, oh, just we're fucking great. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Now you're anxious. Well, tough fucking shit. It's a workplace. Yeah, you yeah. Just get on with it. Like I'm depressed. I can't get out of bed. You need to go to your doctor. You know, you got a job to do. It's crazy. It is so it's quite hypocritical. It is very hypocritical. Yeah. Now, Mark, it's it's. I find it wild that you that you give away ten percent of your profits every week to 
a mental health charity, which, whichever it is you choose in that week. Because you like, I assume you have a lot of expenses going out with kind of buying the clothes before you brand them, then embroidering them yourself. And yeah. then to give away whatever profits you get. So the 10, 10% of your profits is, is automatically gone. And it's such a huge thing for you to do because like you said, you know, some people when when mental health month or day comes out, brands will drop they'll drop a new clothing brand for that day and then it'll be oh well we'll give away ten percent of whatever is made off this particular bundle and we'll give that charity. But you do that with all your clothes. Yeah. And to be honest now, from a selfish business perspective, I wish it was ten percent of our profits, but it's actually ten percent of our sales. Um <laughs> so it's an even bigger figure. And not to come on this podcast and start bashing anything I don't agree with, but there's a few companies out there who (laughs) there's a few companies out there who say they donate to mental health. Okay, so one of my competitors are in England, and they say they donate their percentage of their profits to mental health. So my first issue with that is you could have two hundred quid, let's say, in a week for as a profit, but then you could go spend one hundred and ninety of it on supplies, so only ten euro is your profit. Mm. So if I'm only donating 10% of 10 euros, that's not worth anything. Um, Mm. Whereas the sales figure is a sales figure. It doesn't budge. You can't can't do anything about that. It doesn't change. Mm. Um, So they say they're profits. And at the end of the day, after you pay yourself, you pay everyone, you cover all your expenses, your profits can be quite low. Whereas the sales doesn't change. So that was my first issue. But then the second thing is when companies say they're doing stuff and I'm so, like my heart is on my sleeve. I'm very transparent, very open. When I say I'm doing it, I'm doing it. But when companies say they're doing it and don't show it, you're like, wait, why aren't you showing it? If this is your unique mm-hmm. selling are, company, are you really if you're using this to try your money away, yeah. leverage your company, which I do, and I'll openly say it, but I show it and I show everywhere the hard-earned money and support is gone, whereas others won't. And I'm just kind of like, that makes no sense to me. Who who are you fooling? Like, stop stop doing what you're doing. Like, that's not that's not right. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that just that frustrates me. To be totally honest with you. And is that is that why you're so transparent on your website, kind of showing the donations when they go out and who they go out to every every time you do donate? Is that part of the reason for that? Yeah, absolutely. Um because if you're spending 50, 60, whatever it is on my site, that's a lot of money. Like okay, our hats are 20 quid. It's still a lot of money, but it's a lot easier to part ways with 20, 30 quid than it is 60. 60 is like a, a dinner out or a few points or a present yeah. for someone's birthday. So when you're putting that much money aside for my brand, because you're you're probably budgeting and prepping and planning, I want to show you, number one, where your money is gone. But then I include the thank you note and the Harry bow and everything is done as, to the best of my ability as like just to show you how thankful and grateful I am. And then on top of that, our donations are posted then as far and wide as possible because it's great for uh, raising awareness. It's great for the organizations out there who need to support and then it's also great for my brand like from as well at the end of the day this is a business too um which sounds very selfish <laughs> but you gotta, you gotta pay the rent you gotta put food in your belly <laughs> it's, it's, it's all right to make a profit <laughs> it's great to get the word out there too um and that's why mm-hmm. i don't understand when companies say they do they are doing good and they don't show it you're kind of like well why not like what are you trying to hide number one and from a kind of social media business perspective you should be posting it because it's good for a business it's good for raising awareness so we we talk about huh and we've mentioned huh it is uh, an acronym what is huh or an abbreviation which is an acronym yeah of course so it it means how's your head so how's your head yeah and when i was in the states i came up with it okay so i was looking at loads of different brands and i noticed 
like everything is short and sweet. It's either a little logo or a few letters, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, huh, is like a really American thing to say. You see it all over Netflix and TV shows, and even my friends, I talk to them every day in the States. They say it a lot. And the more and more I say it, I used to give them so much shit about it. And um, it's just so American. And then when I thought about it more, I was like, how's your head? That would look that would look okay on a hoodie or a t-shirt. Mm. And then when I thought about it even more, I was like, people are nosy and curious. If I put it on a jumper, will people ask me what it means? So mm. I went to like a local print shop in Milwaukee, got it printed. The first day I wore it, I, I was working in bars and restaurants, like I said. When the first days I wore it, about 25 people asked me, like, what does that mean? Or they just said it to me like, huh? Kind of taking the piss. And then next thing you know, and this is a reason why I do it, and did it is when you're walking in the street in a H-U-H or you're at home in the gym, whatever it is, when someone asks you what it means, a casual conversation around mental health is started. And that's what we're trying to do. It's not, it doesn't have to be this overwhelming conversation, but if someone asks me, what does that mean? And I say, well, it means how's your head? It's an Irish mental health clothing company that might resonate that day, that week, that month, and regardless whether they buy the brand, they might be thinking, well, wow, like, that's like, there's a 26 year old from County Mead talking about mental health. Why am I die? How is my mental health? How is my friends? How are my family? Let me check in with someone I haven't spoke to in a while. So that was kind of the whole point of it, creating this casual conversation and also putting it on a hoodie. It's kind of like a real casual, comforting piece of clothing. And um, so, yeah, that was the whole kind of H-U-H side of things. Yeah, so how's your head? And absolutely, and it's it's exactly the it's exactly the kind of topics and things that we do on the pods on the podcast to to promote that. You know, of you know, I actually only had it during the week. I was going to have it. I forgot to mention it earlier on, but you know, a friend of mine, um, someone, and then someone they knew had started listening to the podcast, and they were kind of like, "Oh, what's this?" Oh, they knew someone that was on it, and they, they went out and checked out, and I got a message from them then saying, "Like, oh, geez, I just listen to your anxiety." I didn't know I fucking had anxiety. I'm swimming in anxiety. Yeah. I never even knew it. I was like, oh, Jesus, well, that's great. You know, at least you're, you're learning something. And then they're listening to other episodes and they're listening to anger. And it's like, that's fucking really helped in, in, in our relationship. You know, we've we've been able to. Unreal. You know, it's just given me some some insight. And, you know, you get this thing back and go, I fucking, I didn't know this. You know, it's I amazing. Know, but back and it's great. Just this it. conversation. That's a, you know, it's a bit of crack listening to the podcast, but it's informative as well. And then you go. And, you know, we've had people literally alive, literally alive because of the podcast. One one person was literally ready to hang themselves. Someone sent a podcast to listen to the whole podcast and that person is alive and they sent us in the messages. We've got people in the therapy. We've got, you know, relationships working. We've relationships between baby mamas and baby daddies, you know, improved because they're listening to the impact on the children. They're listening to the to the other side of the other parents' story that that you're hearing on the podcast. And it's a message that we absolutely support along with yourselves. And we're we're absolutely with that thing of okay, put up or shut up. You support mental health? Fucking support mental yeah. health. What what are you doing? What are you doing to support it? Like absolutely that's powerful. Don't just tweet so cool. you know it's okay not to be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's amazing to hear. I'd say that feedback is just wow, that's mind blowing. Mm. Like one of the things I wanted to ask you, Mark, is that this 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 idea took off while you were in the states. You had to come back from the states. What was that like? It's just you were living the life over there. You were loving it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you'd you'd love to go back. Then you got to come back here during the pandemic lockdown. Mm, it was the lockdown. Chance it was tough because, and this is another thing I kind of delved into deeper when I got back. So I got home and 
I love this country so much. Like I die for this country. But when I came back, there was a sense of resentment because I had so much freedom mm. and a great job, amazing friends. And I had packed up my life for 18 months. So I got up and left Ireland and it was such a huge deal for me. Like, of course, like I was going into the unknown. Um, what, what was that like actually to start with? Right? Before we yeah. get to the, the coming home, what was the, the making that decision to go? You know, cause that's a, that's a pretty big step. It was terrifying, but I, I remember well. So I graduated college and I didn't jump into a job. I had a few offers from like internships I did throughout college and I knew I just didn't want to work a nine to five. And I'm very outgoing and social. Um, so I love working behind the bar. So I said to my parents and I said to myself, I'm going to continue working in the local bar here 40 to 50 hours a week or how many hours I have until I find a full time job that I want. And it took seven or eight months. And as time was going by, I was like, oh, this is not looking good now, but I'm really enjoying the bar work. Um, and then next thing, a grad visa job came up in the States for a whiskey company. I really love Irish whiskey. I'm in the bar trade and I would talk to the wall. So this is right up my street. <laughs> Apply for it. a bit of blarney. <laughs> and I always, I to, over there. <laughs> always wanted, to, wanted to go to America to live. Because I'd visited a few times. Applied for the job. Next thing you know, I had it. And I'm like, okay, wow, this is getting really real. Um, mm. Did all the necessary trainings and stuff like that. It was a grad program. So we did a bit of college in Ireland before we left. And yeah, I was told <laughs> I was told I was going to they had a few options around the States and I ended up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay. So for anyone moving to the States, especially Irish, you're thinking New York, Boston. Boston, Philadelphia, yeah. East Coast. <laughs> yeah. So there's lots of Irish out there, but I was like, Milwaukee, there's there's none. Chicago's quite mm. close by, which you'd have a good mm. Irish crowd there, but I'm in Milwaukee. So I remember the night before, like sitting on the edge of my bed, like nearly getting sick thinking what have I done mm. like I'm literally moving to America tomorrow to live why am I doing this and uh, it was like an emotional and it wasn't just a J1 Mark you know this isn't just three months fucking off for the summer with your mates summer. having to crack <laughs> yeah yeah this is like legit so I remember like emotional goodbye at the airport all that sort of stuff met up with the crowd a few of the other hire, uh, employees who are hired going to different parts of the states and um, yeah, it was a huge move, a huge culture shock, but found my feet fairly quickly. I was with a great company, having great fun, made the best of friends. So it was amazing. So fast forward 12 months, 13 months, the pandemic hits. I actually started seeing a girl just before the pandemic hit. And it was kind of like we, we would say it was casual, but like, you know, yourself, mm. these things don't always end up more serious. And I was like, oh, I have a time frame here. Like I'm leaving in four or five months. This is not mm. ideal. like. Mm. And then the COVID hit. I was like, okay, whatever. We're going to just enjoy ourselves. I like spend as much time together until I have to leave. So then I had to leave. Like there was no choice. The visa ended. COVID was a thing. So that was hard because I left the States, kind of leaving all my friends too that I couldn't really say goodbye to because mm. of COVID. No one really knew what it was. There was no going away party after 18 months living there and like meeting mm. hundreds and hundreds of amazing people through my job because it was quite social and then I just had to like pack up and leave without a goodbye really um and that was at the time I was like putting on a brave face I thought like ah this is fine COVID will be done in a few months I'll be back before Christmas and I can figure out if I want to try get back to America then Mm. but that didn't happen 
So moving home to answer your question, um, was a huge culture shock again, huge, because I had all this freedom. Life was so different in the states. I was living in my own place, had my own car. Just I was doing. I was on cloud nine over there, and I loved it. And to be honest, I don't know if I ever would have came home because I was having so much fun and had such a great job. And then I came back to reality in the sense that COVID hit. Irish government, as we can tell from the news and and the unfortunate amount of COVID deaths in the States, it was way stricter here in Ireland. And I was at home. So all my independence was gone. The culture shock was completely different. My friends and family, in the sense, I wouldn't say they moved on, but I was not a part of their daily lives anymore. So you know yourself, like you'll have friends and family who be like, right, owner of Mark, is Mark on training? Is he coming for a coffee? Will we ask him for lunch. That wasn't happening anymore. So I, can, yeah, yeah. I had to find my own way again. I had to mold my way back into their lives because I was the one who upped and left. But then it was even harder during COVID and even harder when you're an entrepreneur trying to get your uh, business up and running. So it was all very, very difficult. I was in a bad place. I really didn't like being home or being in Ireland until earlier this year. So it was such a big, big shock and a reset. And... I still have daily thoughts of like, I'd love to be in a warmer country. I'd love to be back in the States and maybe that might happen. But as for now, I'm really like zoned in on health and well-being, mental health, being present in the moment with my friends, my family and growing the company and raising awareness for mental health. Because there's a lot of people who do that too. They come home from abroad after years and they're just lost. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand. I didn't know what cult- reverse culture shock it's called. I did loads of Googling yeah, about it. Name. Um, and it's like, I don't feel at home anymore, but I'm back in my home country. It was yeah. it was really bizarre. I had a lot of clients like that during during the height of lockdown, you know, who, who lost their job. And I remember one client in particular, and I know he listens to the podcast. I hope he's, thankfully, he's back to work. But he's like, I remember him coming in, he goes, I'm back in my fucking childhood bedroom, man. You know, I'm fucking nearly 40. I'm living with my parents. It's like, you know, how, how the fuck, what the fuck do you do with that? Yeah. It's, and as much as you love your family or your family, like you, it, there's a time and a place like there's only so much you can like, you know what I'm trying to say? I don't yeah, do anything yeah. for them, but at times you're just like, I need my own space. I don't need to be asked where I'm going and I'm getting up to go for a piss. Like, you know, but that's it because <laughs> you know, parents, you know, you fall back into that old dynamic. Hmm. you know of well what time are you going to be in it you know where are you going who, who are you going out with I was like I'm a fucking grown ass man yeah 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 you, you lose that kind of and it comes from comes from like they mean well absolutely mm. um, but it just kind of and for them too like they I was gone for 18 months and the client you're speaking about was probably out of home for a while so mm. they don't necessarily want it either you know what I mean it's great yeah. to have your kids and your family back but at the same mm. time they want their freedom and independence too. Like it's their home. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was, it was a definite shock to the system and it's, it makes it even difficult because not to go into the housing crisis we have in Ireland, but even just comparing the rents from where I was, I was in Milwaukee and Chicago. I live in Chicago for a few months. It's so different. To it's here. crazy. It's crazy. And mm. people always have the argument that, well, healthcare over there is this and education is this. As an Irish person over there, it's amazing. Mm. Um, and I always use the argument when they say that I, if I went to try live in Dublin right now, you'd be paying thousands. Yeah. And in Milwaukee, I paid, let's say, 600 euro a month. If I include my healthcare and my education and my cars and all my bills on top of that, I'm still paying less to rent a horrible one bed in Dublin, you know? 
Yeah. I, I commute to Dublin Mark and it's it's about a two hour commute for me. Right. But it's so much cheaper. Like the the four cause so it's four hours travelling a day, because two hours up, two hours back. Right. Throwing in the fact that I live at home, those four hours is worth so much more than the cost of rent, even just to get say a box room in Dublin. Because mm. you just you simply can't afford it. So no. people have to commute two and three hours. Because nobody's gonna pay fifteen hundred euro a month for a Light. tiny room in Dublin where you're living with six or seven other people. <laughs> it's scandalous isn't it and that's the thing yeah. that's the other kind of speaking of culture shock is everyone over there over the age of 18 19 they leave they leave home they're gone to college mm-hmm. and they never go back to their family home they obviously a lot of americans are in huge debt and irish people aren't a big fan of that but there's times where i'm like thinking i need to trade something off here i think i might take out a big loan or go into debt so i can have some independence and be more mentally healthy um, and I often say to my friends in the states and they just honestly can't get over it how people live at home till like they're in their early 30s because that's just kind of what we do here and we can't afford don't, it don't, you don't have a choice yeah you don't have a choice it's not, it's not true choice exactly true circumstance and they honestly cannot get over it mm. and that was one of the big culture shocks too um, of having to come back home and don't get me wrong I love being home like my and my dad and my brother we get on me and my brother get on like a house on fire and they help me so much with H2H, but there is days and times you're just like, I need to get out of here. I've seen it and I know I know it'll sound kind of trivial to a lot of people. I've seen my clients before like that, you know, in their late 20s, living at home, partner, like me, the girl, they're living at home. You can't even get the fucking right. You, go, what? <laughs> you, can't, you can't even bring someone home in the comfort of your own house. Honestly. And you don't fucking have sex. Yeah. And you're like in your late 20s, mid to late 20s, like you're not going out in your car and acting like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I'm nearly 30 here. Like I need to, I need to have my own place at this stage. But in yeah. Ireland, it's not, it's not really a possibility right now. So. Yeah, Cameron, where was you were? Cameron, Cameron's finishing off his journalism degree and all along has been talking about moving to Australia and I'm like, fucking do it. Like, oh. you know, we're here, like, go. I, I'm That's the biggest nice. advocate for telling people to move away, even only for, I only did 18 months, but yeah, like, when I moved away, I had such a, I had more appreciation for home, number one, because you're so oh. far away. You have, I have a, like, an even stronger love for Ireland because you're away didn't help when i moved back during the pandemic but mm. um like experience in different countries different people different cultures and also you're like you're you're a novelty when i was in the states there are certain people who had never ever spoken or seen an irish person and it was mm. like i was an a-list celebrity in certain parts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look at this patty <laughs> honestly in certain parts of wisconsin it's just like the wild, wild west. Like Swedish, isn't it? There's a lot of Swedish over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Eastern yeah, Europeans. I was in certain towns because I was working all over the state. I represented the whole state. And I was going to towns with like four or 500 people. And you walk into a bar and they're like, oh, my God. Say that again? <laughs> 33. <laughs> but, yeah, big believer in like moving away and finding the nest because you need to go see everything. And I still want to kind of move away. And I still want to travel the world. I love it. You, you got back, Mark, and then you, as you said, during lockdown pandemic, that's when you decided to make a go. What was it like for you trying to start the business? I loved it. What was it like to, to get to the point where you're at? Yeah, to be honest, if you told me even this time last year that H2H would be where it is now, I would never believe you. I would, would have laughed in your face. I'd be like, no chance. Mm. Um, and it's been, it, it's, I loved every second of it because once I, as I said, and I think this definitely ties into the OCD, I become obsessive. So there was times from October last year 
till June of this year where I'd wake up and I'd jump out of bed in the morning knowing, right, here's a full day of work and I'm going to do 16, 17 hours, but I want to do every last minute of it. Mm. Um, and I loved it. And that's what it takes. And there's definitely a fine line where you need to find a happy medium so you don't burn out. And yeah. I'm definitely not one of these people that are saying you need to work 22 hours a day and only get two hours sleep because that just does not work. Um, mm. On the flip side, go against your whole uh, exactly. your whole principle there, yeah. Mark. <laughs> exactly, because I get at least eight hours sleep a night, and huge believer in getting out for some sort of fresh air and drinking as much water as possible, and I'm just setting myself up for success. And obviously, all that doesn't help, or it helps in a way, but it's not going to fight any uh, severe kind of mental health issues. You obviously need to go talk and get help for that, but I just feel like if I can set myself up in a way. That whether I'm well, I'm hydrated, I'm exercising, and I'm getting some fresh air. I can tackle the day as well as I possibly can. Um, You're looking after the basics, exactly. One, one thing I'd always advise any client: look after the basics. Get your sleep, get your diet, get some exercise. Without a doubt, do that straight away. You're going to notice a change. You're already on. Like you're already, uh, you're already winning. You're already beating the day. So yeah, yeah I was doing like 16 hour days in the box room of my parents' house. And I never could have imagined how it would have went. So we went from the box room, all the family helping out, my brother doing local deliveries, my mom, my dad, my sister when she was down during throughout the pandemic when she could, folding, steaming, doing the work. So we went from the box room and then in April of this year to the office, which I'm in right now, which is just a huge step, a huge milestone. And it's funny because people always say, oh, it's such an overnight success. And I'm like, yeah, well, apart from the 10 months of working 18 hour days that you don't see. <laughs> yeah. But, um, same as me building a private practice, like, you know, it's, yeah, but yeah, it's a seven hour or the seven years of study. Yeah. Yeah. And slogging away, building up, getting a reputation, going in, giving talks for free, teaching workshops for free. You know, now we get to the point where it's like, okay, yeah, I've got a reputation. Absolutely. You know, I'm well respected, but, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't happen. And touching <laughs> on the point of the whole sleep, and I'm not like that huge advocate of like, you need to be work, 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 work. That's definitely not the case. But on the flip side is for people who always ask me, like, how did you build HUH to where it is? And I, I still think it's quite small. We have so much work to do. There's so many people in this country who have never even heard of me. So the flip side of it is when people ask me, like, I'm trying to grow my brand. Okay, okay, that's great. Do you work nine to five? Yes, perfect. So what do you do? from six in the morning till nine because i'd always suggest some form of like exercise or yoga or something to start your day if you're into that sort of thing if you're not fine get as much sleep as possible secondly what do they do between six o'clock at night and 10 before they go to bed and i say the one thing you need to scratch out is netflix or youtube and the only way i advise on watching netflix and youtube is if you're watching something that's going to like educate you more on what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. So whether it's setting up like your own private practice, setting up a gym, becoming a PT, setting up something like H2H. I spent hours on Spotify, listening to podcasts on YouTube, learning how to do things, what to do. And I just engulfed myself in any sort of information possible. And I think that is like the, the main thing I say to people is stop wasting time on stuff. That's not going to benefit you. And then, don't think it's going to be a get rich quick scheme because that's not real life it's going to take like a lot of a lot of hard work you're getting there mark well hopefully give me another five years 
I'm thirty. One, one of the other things of us, and you know, and this again, you know, which is why you you match up with our message. You know, you're you're so transparent in it, and you show your donations and who you gave and what you give. How how do you choose? How do you choose where you where you throw a, throw a dollar? Yeah, more than a dollar. Let's be honest. So sometimes, to be honest, it's a, quite random. Um, sometimes it's kind of like, well, we've got a lot of uh, orders from Munster this month. Let's go through Cork, Limerick, Kerry, let's see some mental health organizations down there. And then we kind of just, it varies. Other times I reach out to like our top customers and say, Hey, like you've spent all this money with us. Would you like to choose somewhere to donate? So, um, that's great because then you hit like the local charities in local towns who definitely need the funding. Mm-hmm. And then other times I kind of just go out towards the States because that's where it's set up and like you get one or two customers from out there and it's kind of just share the love back to where it started in Milwaukee, Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it is quite random. I'm always looking for more and more suggestions because I don't want to hammer down on one and give loads and loads of money as great as it, that would be. But I want to share and spread like as much money and support as far and wide as possible. Um, because I think there's a great difficulty in it though, Mark, you know, because obviously charities in Ireland and there's constant scandal and yeah. you know, money been skimmed off and a lot of the a lot of the money donated to charities doesn't go to directly to the service that they required. I mean, I know we've had Sarah Shakespeare from Shock Dara, their dawn walks where, you know, all of that money goes to counselling needs in the community. Yeah. You know, it's not after expenses, it's not, you know, paying the wages of anyone down there. What what they take in through the Dawn Walks project in Kildare Town is entirely given back to the likes of myself to refer on to me. Can you see such and such a person for six for six six sessions? Yeah, no problem. Yeah. I'll invite them and that's that's entirely what that money goes to. So it can be a very difficult thing to give to a charity. It is. That yeah, and I know you give them to Pieta House and I know there's been a lot of things around that. Yeah, of, yeah. You know, the expenses of CEOs and stuff yeah. like that. And it's a it's a very tricky situation you find yourself in. It is, and in, in recent months uh I always go with number one places that have a registered charity number, but number two, I try as much as possible to give it to like nonprofits. Obviously, I don't want it to be going into the pockets of anyone. I want it to be going to direct supports, and even my local one, Ashburn Suicide and Prevention. It's amazing. Like, um, actually, the the guy who has set it up owns a business opposite me here in the industrial estate, mm. and like he he came in one day and he's like. I honestly can't get over your support. This is what we're doing with your money. And like, show me what they were doing. I was like, this is really, really cool. It's great to see it. And it's mm-hmm. also really cool to hear um, that it's having such an impact. And even when, like, as I touched on the smaller uh, organizations, I try to help out. They mm-hmm. Always, like 99.9% of the time, will send me a letter or an email to thank me personally. And it's not just kind of like the automatic generated, thank you for your donation. It's like yeah, personalized. Yeah. This means so, so much. We really appreciate it, which is, mm. I love it. Mark, I'm sure you you experienced this yourself. If you have, say, a down month where you're not maybe selling as much as you'd like to, we have our we have our down weeks where our episodes don't do as well as we'd like them to do. And it generally does dishearten us an awful lot. And say that'll happen and then the next week we'll get feedback from that episode and it'll be somebody really nice saying how much they enjoyed the episode or how much it resonated with them and how much they wanted to share it with their friends because of how they felt after listening to it and it really does when you hear that feedback or you hear someone talking about how good or how much it helped it really is a big boost and it kind of makes up for the disheartening weeks or disheartening months you might get so you, you i assume you feel the same way when you get these charities that send a personalized thank you it kind of makes it all worth it for you Oh, 100%. And once I see where it's going to, and like, like, don't get me wrong, I don't know 
exactly if it's changing people's lives. I like to think it is. Um, but like you said, our summer was so slow. And there was times that you're like, what am I going to do? I have bills to pay. I have suppliers to pay. Mm. Is this actually going to last? And even up until recently, to be honest, still quite slow. Um, but let's say three slow months of the year. And uh, like my dad does my bookkeeping. And he was like, Mark, we might have to look at a business model. You can't just have three slow months. Because every there's still expenses. Mm-hmm. So you have to have busy three months. So he's like, maybe we need to rejig the business model because we're not in lockdowns anymore. People aren't constantly bed into their phones. Or it's like you maybe the hoodies need to become a secondary thing because you don't sell hoodies during the summer. Mm-hmm. And especially around the world, there's so many countries you rule out when you sell a hoodie. Like mm-hmm. anywhere warm, you're not selling hoodies. So there was it was so disheartening in the sense that like like what's going on? And some days you feel like you're the next, like, I don't know top entrepreneurial mogul and the next day you're like wait what am i gonna do um <laughs> so there's so many highs and lows but like just getting back to that point you're saying where you have low weeks and good weeks after all this slow time uh these slow months earlier this week i got featured in the new york times and wow. i was like how did that even happen and don't get me wrong there wasn't hundreds or thousands in sales but there was thousands of people going through my site and on the eyes on the brand, I got hundreds of LinkedIn connections. I know that will definitely have a knock-on effect over the next few months, but it was like these three slow months. And the next thing, I'm on the New York Times. I'm like, wait, what? How? Why? You know what I mean? So it kind of it's like swings and roundabouts. It comes and goes. And it's just about kind of keeping the faith, keep showing up. I feel like the business and things like that, it's very related to my like my mental health. So regardless of a good or bad day, you need to kind of show up for yourself and put, as you yeah. said, do the basics right and set yourself up for as much success as you possibly can. You're still going to have good days, bad days, terrible days, but it's just kind of picking yourself back up and going again. Mark, I actually I actually saw your feature in the New York Times and we we spoke about the Facebook out with you earlier. And that was what your, where your feature was about, wasn't it? How when Facebook went down, it was really tough for your business because that's what you run it through. Yeah, absolutely. We literally launched our beanie hats earlier this week. First day was good. Second day, all of our social media platforms are down. And I'm like, well, this is a terrible timing. <laughs> so I, I tweeted about it. And the next thing you know, there's a New York Times reporter DMing me. I thought it was a scam of some sort. And then it was like really late as well because he was in the States. 10 minutes later, 20 minutes later, I'm on a Zoom call. And then an hour later, I have thousands of people on my website. <laughs> Yeah, because we, we only spoke about it earlier because obviously we talked with people that use Facebook and how it's shit for them because that's like what they bury themselves into when they get home from work. But it's really tough for the people that use Facebook as their primary business model. So they run their business through Facebook and then when Facebook goes down for six hours, the business is essentially down for six hours. Absolutely, it's tough. It was very tough. But uh, at, the, at the same time, I was delighted because I had nothing buzzing on my phone. There was no WhatsApp mm. groups mm. going. And I will hold my hand up and say that, like, there was, I had to delete Insta- my personal Instagram for four weeks because I was just constantly scrolling. And it wasn't good for anything my productivity, my mental health. Like, at the end of the day, I don't really care what my follower, who I'm following is doing. Like, you know what I mean? I'm happy for them. But if I see someone in, on holidays in a sunny destination, like it's going to make me feel worse. So I just deleted it. It was a great detox. And um, 
So I know the effects are the social media has on people's mental health. I think everything in moderation, without a doubt, because too much of it leads to doom scrolling. And then you're like, well, why is Timmy's life better than mine? Or why does she have a six pack and I don't? And that's just detrimental. And then you lead to like comparison is the thief of joy. You start comparing everything to your life. And I could sit here all day and be like, well, I'm 26 and I live at home and I'm single. And that person has a, a, a apartment in the Docklands of Dublin with a lovely mm. girlfriend and a six-figure job. So at the end of the day, you don't know what's going on behind the screen. They could be mm. really yeah, exactly. down. Their life could be in tatters. You never really know. So that's why I think just touching on the whole social media thing is like the doom scrolling. We really need to kind of moderate, like do in moderation and try as best as you can not to compare your life to others. Mm. Yeah, and particularly, you know, I'd see it on particularly clients and, you know, early 20s and I'd say it to them, and I've, I've spoken about it on the podcast, like, it's not fucking real. Everyone is selling a version of themselves. Like, everyone is putting up the pictures with their friends on a Saturday night. They don't put up the pictures of a panic attack on a Sunday. They're not putting up the pictures of the crying with loneliness and fucking fetal position on the couch. Yeah. You know, no one puts up those pictures. Nobody. So don't, you know, everyone's just selling the best version of their life, and it's all bullshit. Like, don't, don't buy into it. Absolutely. It's all fake. You despair. It's all fake. And, it grinds my gears like yeah people often will say to me like on the street or a hurling or football geez h2h is flying like and i'm like well not really like you know what i mean like i i'd be quite real with people i'm comfortable like people i know i wouldn't just say it to a randomer but like at training or something i'd be like well not really we've had a slow month i don't know if i can pay myself so like don't believe everything you see because if i was in a nine to five i'm getting paid regardless at the end of this month but if I don't work and figure something out this month, I can't pay myself because the bills will have to be paid first. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love to hammer that home because you see all these fancy cars, fancy lifestyles, but it's not real. <laughs> it's really not real. Just before we finish up, Mark, can you tell people where, to, where they can find out about yourself and where they can buy more so buy some of your merchandise? <laughs> yeah absolutely so disclaimer now if you're following me on social media we post a lot like daily twice a day we're on facebook instagram tiktok twitter at huh clothing on linkedin it's just mark donnelly it'll come up owner of huh blah blah um and then yeah hhclothing.com is our is our main site and that was straight talking how's your head how's your head that's mark clothing brand did you see what we did there we hope you liked what you heard if so, give us a rate and subscribe. Leave a comment. If you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating on that. It really helps us move up the standings. And as we move up the standings, we can reach more people and then we can raise more awareness. If you think someone you know would benefit from listening to the podcast, then by all means, share it with them. Or on your social media pages, it could make a huge difference in their lives. We'd love to hear from you. If there's anything you want to cover or discuss, or if you have a story to tell, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch by emailing hello at stmhpodcast.com. Find us on Twitter, STMHPodcast, and we're also on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talking Mental Health. Big shout out to Fiona Bryan for the podcast music, and another shout out to Peter, since he normally gives out to us if we don't. Peter Dunn, <laughs> who, who founded the podcast. Peter, we, we know you're there, don't worry. Yeah. And now we'll move on to Mark for the last word. But in the meantime, folks, look after yourself and look after each other. One of the things we do with every guest that comes on the podcast, Mark, is we invite them to share some words of wisdom, some life learnings that they've taken from life so far, some motto, some creed, some way that they live their life or some knowledge that they'd like to impart on our listeners around the world. This week, I'm going to throw over to you, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. So like I just said, uh, a problem shared is a problem half, and that's hugely helpful. It was so helpful for me. Once you get it off your chest, it just alleviates so much of the kind of fake 
fakeness and anxieties you build up in your own head. Um, and once you get it out there, you realize, one, it's not as bad as you made it out to be. And two, it's not real. Your head plays tricks with you. But then the other thing, because I mentioned that already, I always say, like, regardless of who you are, what you do, where you're from, what you believe in, the color of your skin, no matter what, everyone in every corner of the globe deals with their mental health. So there's no need to suffer in silence. Everyone, no matter who it is, is dealing with anxieties, dealing with mental illness, dealing with overthinking, OCD, whatever. So you're not alone out there and don't feel the need to bottle it in. As, as It's easier said than done, of course, but it links back to my problem shared as a problem halved.